This is the Extravagant Promises Podcast, and I'm your host, Gregory. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. This is a podcast about recovery, reckoning, and redemption. Tonight is episode 16, Black Care. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight is the first episode of 2019, and it gives me great excitement and joy and humility to be offering this podcast to you, to all my listeners, and to old and new, and to say that starting 2019 sober, serene, and ready to have the best year of my life, I hope you are too. You may wonder, what, what's tonight's episode about? Well, it's going to be a multi-part episode, and it starts with the Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, quote, Black care rarely sits behind a rider whose pace is fast enough. And we're going to come back to that. But before we start, as usual, I'd like to go over a couple things. This is a recovery podcast. It is designed to be that candle in the night that maybe helps you find some comfort, some joy, some fellowship if you're alone, or maybe you can share it with somebody. In the coming year, hopefully I'll ask some questions of myself and ask questions of of you, and you can share them with me or your answers with me. But this is not meant to be an AA meeting or to supplant your program or your AA meetings. We here at the Extravagant Promises podcast, strongly encourage you to stay sober, to get a sponsor, to go to meetings regularly. And I think my sponsor says it best, how much how many times a week did you drink? Go to go to that many meetings. <laughs> so pretty much every day. And um I I think that for those of you who've got some time under your belt, Four to five meetings a week is, is you know, that's where I roll. Um, I try to go every day, and when I don't go every day, it's interesting. Um, I was at a meeting in a church called St. Bart's in New York over the holidays, and a guy said, um, when I don't go to meetings, people get mean, and something like that, and, and we all knew what he meant. So go to meetings. Go as, to as many as you can. It, it keeps you sober. But it also helps other people stay sober. Um, <clears throat> go to meetings and work the steps with your sponsor. And when you're ready, sponsor other men and women. And that is the divine spark that will keep you sober. And it will help shine that light. There is so much life to live. And there's just so much I want to share. I, I'm almost overwhelmed with how much information I want to data dump on you guys, and, and I'll try not to. I, I, this isn't a travel log or a, a blog about my life. It's about recovery, and it's about my effort of service. But number one, this is not an AA meeting. Please get to AA meetings. Number two, I'm not a mental health therapist or a counselor. I go to therapy regularly. I encourage everyone to seek mental health and not to look at that as a stigma or a source of shame. It's an amazing thing. You would not have any problem getting a coach or a personal trainer at the gym or a doctor or um, a lawyer or a dentist. 
Uh, why do we have such a problem having a counselor or therapist in our life? Sometimes we don't have any family members or great wise moms or dads or grandpas, you know, to turn to, grandmothers. And having a counselor or a therapist, a doctor to help you through these dark times and through help you navigate the joys of life is just imperative. And I advised one guy in the rooms recently, I said, you know, go find a therapist you trust, someone you will never lie to, and go to them until you're addicted to going to them. And uh, I know addiction is, you know, that's kind of a loaded term, but but really, I just, I love, I love the person who helps me. I love my sponsor. I love the people in the program. And, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I don't do well if I don't go. Uh, number three, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions and our process. Please do not violate my anonymity and please understand that I will never violate yours. If you share anything with me, if you contact me on the interwebs, um, Instagram or email, I will absolutely keep your, your, your identity anonymous and confidential and sacred. And finally, this is a free podcast. I do not accept sponsorship. I've had a pro I've been approached about taking this to the next level, things like that. Um, and I just, I can't do it. Um, I, I will never accept remuneration of any form for this. This is my form of service. I hope that doesn't diminish the power of what I'm doing. I certainly want this to be as big and as broad as it can be to help people, but that just starts to sound a lot like ego. If only one person listens to this, um, well, let me be honest. If no one listens to this, my duty is done. This is this is for me to, to, to help me stay sober. But I really, if one person listens, it just makes my day. And when I see... 19, 20, 50 people, something like that, man, I just, I feel like maybe I just help one person. So, um, this is never something that I would expect anyone to contribute to. I will never solicit payment or donations or anything like that. And I would never accept them. So let's turn to tonight's episode. Black care rarely sits behind a rider whose pace is fast enough. Theodore Roosevelt. And as I understand, that's kind of what Theodore Roosevelt felt and did as he tried to grapple in his mind and in his heart with the death of his mother. I think she was 48 years old. He was 22. Um, his mother and his wife, his new wife, died within a few hours of each other in the same home, I believe, in New York. And his wife died either during or shortly after childbirth. And it, he said, the light went out in my life. And after that, he at some point went west and joined the Cowboys and kind of just tried to chase away the demons by outrunning the demons. And there are times in my life where I feel like that's what I'm doing. Um, I've been accused of that for sure. I don't know if it's a form of denial um, that, that you just feel if you move fast enough and you move hard enough and you move creatively enough and powerfully enough and you fill that unforgiving minute, as Rudyard Kipling said, to fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run. There's no space for those that kudzu vine, that black, dark, kudzu vine to wrap its 
tendrils around your ankles and start pulling you into the muck of the layers upon layers of depression and shame and self-loathing and fear and anxiety that are just that swamp at the bottom of the forest floor. You know, you're a tree and you're a strong tree and you just feel that vine wrap around you and you think, if I, God, if I just don't plant my roots, if I just keep moving, maybe, maybe it won't, it won't get me. Um, there's some merit to that for sure. I mean, you know, no one ever, I don't know, maybe it was Wim Hof or, and, uh, Daniele Bellelli or somebody like that who said, no one's ever depressed running a marathon. Um, that's how I feel about jujitsu and AA meetings, um, snowboarding too, you know, uh, there are only a few places in life where, you know, I'm in the trees and I'm not super good at snowboarding. I'm, 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 I'm an amateur for sure, but you know, you get into some steep stuff and deep and there are trees and you're just kind of focused on, man, I don't want to face plant into a tree well and die or worse, you know, <laughs> head injury or something, you know, and, um, or you're on a mat and there's some guy just smashing you wanting to take your, choke you out or break your arm. And you just think you're not thinking about deadlines or what could have been, or whether you should ask that girl to the prom in third grade or <laughs> third, you know, when, uh, junior high, you know, whatever it's, like, um, you're just thinking about where you are right at the moment, being present. Um, meetings are like that for me. And I know some meetings where I'm just sitting on bullshitting around on my phone, you know, it's like, I know I'm not, I'm, I'm infecting the room with that, you know, they don't know it. I don't know, you know, but I mean, people see you sure, but you know, you're infecting cause you're not, you're not, you're not there. Um, so, you know, generally those three places are really good, good kind of places for me to, to, I've never felt depressed during or after one of those exercises, AA meetings, jujitsu or marathon or, or snowboarding, um, find yours. Um, but so that kind of takes me just, you know, I'd like to recap sort of where I've been since I saw you, since I last did my podcast, um, for anybody who cares. Um, you know, I, as, as, as I recorded, you know, I went to Jamaica for Thanksgiving alone, and I tried to have some quiet time. It was, you know, it was okay. I think I did a good job. I mean, it was actually a pretty mellow Thanksgiving. It was not the worst Thanksgiving I've ever had to be at a beautiful place called Round Hill. Um, it's a little weird. Uh, maybe if you're not used to being alone, if you're not used to going to a movie alone, if you're not used to being in like a restaurant alone, it's a little strange to sit there, you know, at Thanksgiving, see all the families together and be kind of one of those odd odd man out, odd, odd person out, you know, having Thanksgiving dinner alone, but there's something kind of cool about it too. I mean, just, you know, Hey, fly your flag, you know, bring your book and, and do your thing. And that's what I did. And, um, and then I came back and sort of just a rush of activity. You know, I went down to, um, a big football game in Georgia, uh, after Thanksgiving. It was exciting. You know, then I came back and I, I spent some time with my daughter um, for her 18th birthday, and that was super cool. Um, a good man uh, in my life who's a very important person in my life and, and in my daughter's life, kind of like a grandfather to us, you know, um, he uh, he and I hit some meetings together and talked and, 
you know, we got to, we got to have brunch with my daughter and her, her little friends, you know, for her birthday. And that's, that's something for a man, you know, for me being there on, on my daughter's 16th and 17th and 18th birthdays, you know, that was, that was important. 18 was important, you know, and, and I just wanted her to know that I love her and that, you know, I may not, um, I think the quote is, um, I'm listening to those horns out there, but I may not, I may not be here as long as you live, but I'll love you as long as I live. Um, and that to me is just how, how I feel, you know? And so that was cool. But then it was just like, bang, shot out of a cannon. Um, I went to New York and I was doing business work up there and just a hodgepodge of holiday client events, which are, I've gotten better at them in terms of just being able to, to, you know, most people know I don't drink and they're, they're cool. They're, they're not pressuring me, but it's tough being around a bunch of drunks, you know, and, or, or people who are partying and they're not, they're not drunks, but you, you get my point. And sometimes I just have to say like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm tapping out. I'm, I'm heading home early and no one cares. They're cool with that. They want to get their groove on or they don't or whatever, you know, they, they're not hiring me or, or working with me or being in business with me for me to be drunk or Mr. Party Guy. They want me sober. So, you know, that, that that's kind of a, a tired old myth, I think, that, oh, they, they only like me because I party and I'm fun. You know, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more fun. And I think I'm a little more professional and businesslike when, you know, when the plug is in the jug. So, so I did that for like three days. And then my youngest daughter and I jumped on a plane and went to Italy and that was that was tough because you know you're you're over there in Europe with a 16 year old, but it was really cool. Um, and uh, you know if you follow me on Instagram, I'm going to put some pictures up on my on the Extravagant Promises podcast Instagram account with some you know we 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 just you know we didn't do anything um, like we were we weren't like we have to go here we have to go there we just kind of we we wandered a lot. And we, and because, you know, I don't have an international data plan or whatever, I was pretty much disconnected on my phone and she, she did too, you know, and we, we stayed at the famous gritty palace right there in Venice and, um, and we walked, you know, and, and, um, we went to, you know, two of the things I, we went to a lot of churches, we would just wander into them you know, and be respectful and cool and light a candle and give a donation and light a candle for my dead best friend and for my, my, the woman I think of as my mother, you know, my kind of the woman who raised me, a Filipino woman who's just so important to me. And I think of is just like my heart and soul. And I love so deeply. And I lost her in 2017, shortly after my 50th birthday. And, um, uh, I lit a candle for her and I lit a candle for my best friend who died. And, um, and it was good. And we went to St. Mark's Basilica's, you know, it's a big kind of tourist thing to do, but it is still sometimes, you know, like tourist things are cool. Cause cause you just, you, you know, you got to check it out and just, just see how freaking cool it is to be in a church that took, it's been there for, you know, um, almost a thousand years and it took, almost a thousand years or several hundred years to build out everything, you know, um, certainly over a hundred years. <laughs> and you think about that, you know, these things that are 300, 251 feet tall, 200 feet wide, five domes. 
Um, just super cool. The Basilica is the one that we went to. That It's called the Patriarchal Cathedral Basilica of St. Mark. And it is the right smack in the center of, of, of St. Mark's Piazza San Marco, as they call it. Um, really, really impressive. And just, and you go in there and, and, and my daughter who, you know, we've never really sat down and talked about religion or higher power and stuff. But, but like I always say is, um, I said, you know, it's hard not to feel religious when you're in a place of this kind of sacred, the sacred place like this and this art. And she agreed. And that was cool. And what's really neat. Um, and I'll digress for two secs. Uh, Taking an 18-year-old car shopping uh, for the first time is is a frightening experience for a dad. And um, I, we did that right before Thanksgiving. I don't know if I talked about it in, in my podcast. If I did, I apologize, but I'm going to repeat myself since it's been about a month or, you know, since I recorded that. Um, and she was, you know, I said, listen, I want this to be about you. I, I want you to get with the salesman and, and go out and and check it out and pick the, you know, the, you know, this, this, I'm going to, I'm not going to press you or I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. I want it to be about you and, and what you want and things like that. And, um, at some point she came back, she, she actually liked the model that I liked, you know, whatever it's an entry level kind of model. And, and, um, and she said, I want to pick out the colors and, um, I've narrowed it down to this, these two, you know, kind of, um, and I, I, I'd like your opinion. And, and I said, why do you need my opinion? You know, like that's, you know, what, what, what can I say? You know? And, and she said, well, I've narrowed it down to this and who, who better to ask than my best friend. <clears throat> you can tell I get a little, <laughs> I mean, it's like no big deal, but God, it just still brings tears to my eyes. Like, you know, guys, I mean, and I'm sure for a mother, same thing, you know, but I can't speak to that. I'm, I'm a man, you know, but you know what I've been through, what I've, what I'm sure what I've done to those kids, what I've done to my marriage, what I've did, done to my life, you know, but what I've tried to do for the last five years, what I've tried to live and what I've tried to try to try to walk and do the next right thing and, and be a good person and a good father and a, a great father and a, and a great provider and things like that. just trying to walk like a damn man, you know, and, and own, my love and my heart and to give my love. Um, there is nothing in the world that is more satisfying than seeing a beautiful 18 year old daughter look at you and go, who better to ask than my best friend. And just to be able to earn that sentiment. I was, yeah. Okay. Christmas came early for me. That was awesome. And to be able to walk around Venice with my other daughter and to have her repeat back some of the phrases that I'd use, you know, she goes, wow, it's hard not to be really, you know, you just feel like they listen, they hear, they model, they model, you know, they're modeling their behavior off what they see and hear. Don't ever forget that. You know, you are a role model to every person you encounter. You sit there in the meetings and shoot your mouth off or something like that. You, you know, don't go to meetings where you're, you're modeling for somebody, you know, but if you, if you just think like, I'm a leader to every person, not in an arrogant way, I'm going to lead, you know, but you know, when you think I'm a leader to somebody, it's not there. God and my higher power doesn't need to give me a whole lot more than that for the holidays. 
So, you know, we jumped back on a plane. We come back to New York, and both girls kind of met up there. They went to this holiday party in New York called the Gold and Silver, and that's a entirely different subject unto itself. Um, and then I got back on a plane with them. They came home and went to be with their mom on the 23rd, and then on the 24th, 5 a.m., I was on a plane to Sun Valley, Idaho, to be with my best friend and his beautiful wife and his beautiful daughter. He's my goddaughter. And that was, I mean, it was one of the best Christmas. The only thing that would have made that Christmas better is if I could have been with my girls. But, you know, we made a commitment when they were born that they would be in the house that they live in every Christmas until we don't have, my wife doesn't have that house. And so I, I honor that. And they wanted to be there, and that's fine. But I was with my 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 other family, so to speak, my 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 brother, you know, my 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 blood brother, not you know, not my blood brother, uh, uh, biological brother, but my blood brother, my soulmate, my you know, who, I, who I've talked about on this podcast so many times, who who just helped me through some of the darkest times of my life, but also some of the joys of my life. He's just such a wonderful man, and we hit me. I hit meetings out there. It was great. Um, we, he went with me to the meeting where I picked up my 90 day chip, you know, your couple years back, you know, and, uh, um, God, it was good. And, uh, then I was back on a plane and, you know, can't stop running from that black care. So I ran down to Charlotte to see another football game. And then I ran down to New Orleans for New Year's to see another football game and enjoy, um, some personal time, you know. And had a great meal at Galatoire's and Herb Saint uh, down there. Uh, those are those are places. You know, it's interesting. You know, when you're when you're sober and you're not drinking, and you know, you pick up that like maybe people. I always think about maybe people are going so hard, they're getting so drunk. And yes, New Orleans is a drunk city, but there are a lot of people who aren't drinking too. You know, there are a lot of people who are sitting there with their coffee or their you know, sparkling water, you know, on New Year's Eve. And you kind of, you kind of see that and it's cool. Um, I was glad to be sober on New Year's. I was glad to wake up on in 2019 being like another year in the, in the books. Um, and I thank my higher power for that, but I did, I did wear myself out. I did wear myself out running, running, you know, and I'm, and, and I, and I've read this quote from Teddy Roosevelt and I was like, am I running? Is that what, is this denial? Or is this me just trying to live with intentions? Um, so, you know, that's something for 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 me to work on. Um, I I don't I don't I don't think I'm someone who hates being alone, and I don't hate sitting still. I just try to fill my life. I try to be intentional in everything I do. And sometimes, and when I get really off kilter or when I've gotten off kilter in my life, especially when I was drinking, it was because I didn't, I wasn't setting my intentions. So, um, so that was, um, that was, that's kind of what's going through my mind. So back to, back to Venice, I did want to mention there's another church we went to called Santa Maria della Salute, which Salute means, you know, you, you, know, you hear uh, Italian people say like Salute, you know, it's like to your health. And, and this, this church was created, it was, was constru constructed 
1630, it was consecrated in 1681. Think about that. How many buildings of consequence in this country took 30 years to build? Um, you know, or 50, excuse me, 1680, 31 to 1681. You know, and they did it because the Venetians had su survived the, the plague, uh, a big devastating outbreak of the plague. And they built this amazing church. And if you ever go to Venice or see pictures of it, yes, you're going to just be overloaded with St. Mark Square and San Marco and St. Mark and the lions and all that stuff. And that is amazing. But when you look across to um, this, one of the Venetian, it's like a finger that's part of the Venetian islands. It's right there across the Grand Canal. There's this church, Salute, that just... Oh man, it, it it is so cool. And when it's foggy and you see that, you just feel like there's so much blood and love and history and higher power in those waters and in that fog and in that ground and all those beautiful islands and beautiful people. And, and that church just makes you really uh, um, understand, you know, how, how small we are. Um, and like I said, I, I don't, I haven't really researched all of the history of Salute, but it's, it's, it's one of my favorite churches. It's really cool to go in there and, and, and look at each painting that's inside and, and really feel what it is. It was also cool for me to kind of give a little bit of religion of what little I know to my daughter and say like, you know, these are stations of the cross. What does that mean? This is where, you know, Jesus fell where he where where he saw his mother, you know, and 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 kind of walk through a lot of that and these amazing sculptures. And you just think you could spend a lifetime in one room just looking at the, the, the architecture and the marble and, and the mosaics and, and just find, you know, you can feel very, very small, but also very, very, very loved, you know, very loved. Anyway, so that was really cool. And, um, and, and it's, it's kind of led me to a place where I want to, in 2019, you know, I want to set my intentions and, and I need to really kind of, you know, I, I, it's not about, to me, it's not about what mistakes did I make or what do I want to accomplish in this year in terms of you know, resolutions. I'm not going to this. I'm not going to that. I'm going to lose 50 pounds. I'm going to gain 50 pounds, whatever. I'm going to get rich. I'm going to get poor, whatever. It's, it's kind of like setting my intentions. You know, how do I want to live my life this year? You know, how do I want to live my life? For me, I can tell you that, um, I want to be, um, I want to, I want to be intentional in what I do this year. I don't want to be frenetic and I don't want to live in chaos. I want to be intentional and I want to be, I want to be measured, but I, I want to go at a strong pace, but, but I don't want to lose. I don't want to get in front of myself or stumble or, or anything like that, but I want to be intentional. I want to be purposeful. I want to be sober and I'm going to be sober this year, uh, just like I was last year. And just like I was a year before that and a year before that. But um, I want to I wanna be superb in what I do in my business, you know, and, and in my professional existence. I want to be superb. That does not mean more. 
And it does not mean glory, and it does not mean battle and conquest and money. It just means superb. Like, I want to actually kind of call down and get, get, stay in my wheelhouse, you know, be like, I'm going to, I'm only going to take on these types of challenges that are, that I can be superb in and that I can give the, I can give wholeheartedly. I want to set boundaries, you know, and, and I want to, when I say yes externally, I want to mean yes internally. If it's not hell yes, it's no. And yeah, and that's how I want to live. I want to, I want to live, you know, if I was setting a goal financially, I'd like to, I'd like to end 2019 with $1 more than I have today. Not, not a million dollars more, not a hundred thousand dollars more, not $10,000 more, just $1 more. Because that means I won't have spent myself into a hole or so. I just want to be financially responsible, you know, just $1 more. Um, and I want to, I'm going to, I, you know, I'm going to really dedicate myself in terms of giving myself permission to focus on Brazilian Jiu Jitsu this year, even more so than I have in the past, just to allow myself the gift of Jiu Jitsu because I love it so much and it's a passion of mine. I don't want it to get in the way of my business or my professional life, but, or anything else, but I want it to be in, in harmony with it. And I want to be intentional about it because it's given so much to me. I also want to give to my program and I want to find, I want to find myself giving as much as I can. And, and, and let me say that I, I, you heard me hesitate. I don't want to, I, I, I was in a meeting in, um, there's a really cool meeting listeners out there called uh, mustard seed in Murray Hill in, in New York. And on Sunday mornings, there are these two guys that host this meeting. They chair the meeting. And, you know, there might be three guys in there, four guys, women, men, whatever, uh, you know. And they've got this kind of routine down. They, they read and they share and they read and they share and then they open it up. And it's just really cool. I mean, it's just really cool. And I like it. I like seeing different styles. You know, it's my, my good friend Dave Camarillo out on the West Coast Jiu-Jitsu just God. Um, he always says, train with everyone. Well, I say go to meetings with everybody. See their styles. You see how they read, how it works. Some places they stand up and read it. Sometimes they walk around the room and everybody reads part of it or a step or whatever. You know, uh, uh, It's just interesting. These guys have a good thing, but they were talking about giving versus getting. Giving versus getting. And I was thinking, is there anything in my life that I've given as much as I've gotten. I mean, as unhappy as I was in past relationships or in parts of my life or with people, I can absolutely say with an open, clean heart and not being fake hum humility or anything like that, there's almost nothing that I have given to as much as I've received from. And I just want to, I want to, I want that to be my, my operating mantra. Give, give more than you get this year. You know, that's just be intentional, be superb. When you commit, when you fire, fire for effect. When you throw your hands, throw them with deadly intentions, you know, bad intentions, that kind of thing, you know, and, and I want to give more than I get. I want to give more than I get. Let's hit, hit some touchstones here. How about um, today is January 6th. Being human is difficult. Becoming human is a lifelong process. To be truly human is a gift. 
The processes of becoming more human, becoming a real person, and finding spiritual enlightenment are very similar. They require slow growth over time. We can only follow these paths in small steps, one day or one hour at a time. Many of us grew up in families with an addicted parent. We too went to great excesses and have been abusive to ourselves and others. I'm going to repeat that. We too went to great excesses and have been abusive to ourselves and others. Because of these problems, we developed a distorted outlook on life. Now we still demand quick and complete fixes for recovery. Our program says, look to this day. It is a difficult path to learn, but we only take it in small steps. There are no instant fixes for any human being. Yet, when we surrender to the reality of life, we are given the gift of true humanity. We feel like real people. We love others, and we enjoy the pleasure of true contact with them. And it finishes with a prayer. I'm grateful I can be part of the process. Help me give up my drive to control it. As, as you uh, have learned from the podcast in the past, um, I was, I came into the rooms, you know, and committed to this path and a program of recovery when a very good friend of mine, uh, an Englishman named Eamon, uh, said, uh, and I'll, 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 I'll do his accent, I'm worried about you drinking. And I don't know if that's a good accent or not, but it sounded super intelligent. It sounded super caring and it sounded super cool. And we went to a meeting together that night. And, you know, one of the things, he is a jiu-jitsu black belt. Uh, he might be a black belt in judo as well. Um, super interesting martial artist and teacher and things. And um, one of the things he taught me before I got sober and long ago, right, right after my best friend died, was... You talked about going on the mats and setting your intentions. And there were two, two quick things with that is like for number one for this year, let's set our intentions. You know, what are your intentions? Be intentional. What am I trying to get out of this? What do I, what, you know, what am I giving here? What am I getting here? Am I giving more than I'm getting? And be, and, and, and set those intentions, you know, don't be haphazard. Don't be reactionary. Um, the other thing was that he said, you know, it's, it was interesting when you, when you bring your cell phone onto the mat and you sit and you check it before you roll or you're going over and checking, you're, you're infecting the mats with your phone. You're infecting yourself with this other thing. You're not present. And I remember he used those words like intentions, intentional and infected. And I don't want to be infected. You know, I want to, I want to, I don't want to infect with bad intentions or poor lack of intentions. So Let's think about those, or I'm going to think about that, you know, hopefully as often as I possibly can, maybe every day in this year, um, to be intentional and to not infect my ecosystem or my friendships, my relationships, my meetings, my program with um, things like that. And I know it can be boring. God, it can be sitting there and you're listening to somebody say the same darn thing every time, you know, that guy over there, he's going, well, you what will we have? You got to do what we do or something. And maybe it just rubs you the wrong damn way. <laughs> but you know what? That's part of they They keep you sober. They keep you sober. Let's break out a little bit of uh, living sober here in uh, chapter five, which I thought was awesome to have for tonight. Live and let live. The old saying, live and let live, seems so commonplace it is easy to overlook its value. 
Of course, one reason it has been said over and over for years is that it has proved beneficial in so many ways. Live and let live. You know, if you just said that and you're like, live and let live, like, hey, this person is rubbing me the wrong way there, or that person's infecting the room with whatever, hey, live and let live. I'm going to control me. I'm going to control what I control. I'm going to live. And that's, that's, that's the thing is everybody looks at this as like the let live part is the hard part. I'm going to let you live, you know, and I just got to let you go. Hey, you've already jumped over the first half of that phrase. You need to live. So um, moving forward, it says, so a great number of people besides ourselves were in one way or another involved in our drinking to some degree. Think about that, all those resentments and the, and, and the people who wanted you to drink and the people who didn't want you to drink and the people who you hurt when you were drinking or the people who hurt you. You know, there's just this entire universe of people who were enmeshed and entangled in your addiction or your drinking or your resentments or your that that dark care um just oh that cloud that you're just infecting everyone with and so remember that you know when you're thinking about whether if somebody pisses you off or something's angering you it's like what are you saying hey i'm gonna let that i'm gonna let that live because i'm going to live first i'm gonna live I'm going to live by staying sober. I'm going to live by giving back. I'm going to live by giving more than I get. I'm going to live by being serene and going to meetings and loving. To begin to put the concept of live and let live into practice, we must face this fact. There are people in AA and everywhere else who sometimes say things we disagree with or do things we don't like. Learning to live with differences is essential to our comfort. It is exactly in those cases that we have found it extremely helpful to say to ourselves, oh well, live and let live. In fact, in AA, much emphasis is placed on learning how to tolerate other people's behavior. However often offensive or distasteful it may seem to us, it is certainly not worth drinking about. Our own recovery is too important. Alcoholism can and does kill, we recall. Let me interject for a second. I don't know about y'all. But not a holiday goes by when you don't hear about somebody relapsing and dying. Um, maybe they relapsed a while back and they just hit a jag and, you know, and, and, the, and the, you know, the dice rolled snake eyes and it was their time to go. Or maybe they went out because they were lonely in the holidays or something pissed them off or who knows. And they ended up in a ditch or something. And I, I mean, I heard this several times in the rooms, you know, like I said, I was in, going international and I'm back here in my home group and I'm sitting there and people are mourning the loss of members of the program who died from drinking active alcoholism over the holidays. And, you know, it's kind of that reminder, like, Hey, this is fun and it's cool and it's spiritual, but let's not forget it is life and death. Drunk driving accidents, the elements, whatever, just cirrhosis, cancer, all those things that you get from treating, from committing suicide through addiction and, and, and substance abuse. And just the darkness of your soul through resentment and it kills people. You know, it is life and death. For that matter, we'll meet some people in AA or elsewhere who won't be exactly crazy about us either. Imagine that. Um, so all of us try to respect the rights of others to act as they choose or must. 
We can then expect them to give us the same courtesy. In AA, they generally do. So true. When have you actually met somebody where you're like, you know, they're pissing me off and you're like, you know what, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally agree with you. Or I'm going to just, hey, live and let live. And um, what can I do to be of help? What can I do to help you here? You know, can I, how, what do you need? What do you need? And how can I do that? And, 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 and would it be possible for both of our needs to be met? As time goes on, we find we're not afraid simply to walk away from people who irritate us instead of meekly letting them get under our skin or instead of trying to straighten them out just so they will suit us better. Oh, that was me. I'm going to straighten you out. I'm going to whoop your ass or I'm going to talk shit or I'm going to, you know, trash you or something. I mean, just walk away, you know. An ancient sage said that none of us should criticize another until we've walked a mile in the other person's boots. Um, this wise advice can give us greater compassion for our fellow human beings and putting it into practice makes us feel much better than being hung over. Mm -hmm. let, let live, yes, but some of us find as much value in the first part of the slogan, live. And it goes on to close, live. Be concerned with your own living. In our opinion, staying sober opens up the way of the up the way to life and happiness. I can tell you that's true, ladies and gentlemen. It is worth sacrificing many a grudge or argument. Okay, so you didn't manage to keep your mind completely off that other person. Let's see whether the suggestion coming next will help. And the suggestion coming next is, is, is getting active. So, you know, it's, it's, it's good. Walk away. You know, just try it. Try to give. Just be like, I'm going to give you love. Um, it, it, it works. And that's why I wanted to keep, you know, as we get into this year, I wanted to stay on some of the touchstones, some of the old school, uh, living sober. And, um, and I wanted to help everybody, um, really, really focus on that first part, live. You need to live. You, if you know somebody drank themselves to death at 32 years old, died of cirrhosis at 52, had cancer that was, you know, alcohol-related and just treated their bodies like crap and died at 60 or something. You think about all the years that a healthy body is meant to live and all the legacy that you can build of goodness and, and graciousness and giving. The, the, I mean, your legacy of giving I don't need you to be sitting there next to George Bush, the elder, or, you know, uh, John McCain or somebody in the National Cathedral with 40,000 people going past your coffin to, to be a legacy. But if you died or if you didn't show up, who would miss you and why? Is it the people who you took from? Or is it the people you gave to? Call somebody tonight. Pick up the phone and just call somebody about I'm thinking about you. Maybe there's a competitor of yours who got an award. You know, call them up and be like, I'm proud of you. You know, we don't get along all the time. Or maybe we're going out at hammer and tongs, but I just want to let you know, good job. You know, I'm thinking about you. And maybe they'll go, F-O, whatever. Yeah, you better. You know, whatever. That's fine. Cool. You know, or maybe just keep it to yourself. You don't have to be like, I'm going to get them or I'm going to do that too. You know, just be like, hey, man, that's that's awesome. I got through today. And I got today. I got the chip for today.
to hope. When by my solitary hearth I sit, and hateful thoughts enwrap my soul in gloom, when no fair dreams before my mind's eye flit, and the bare health heath of life presents no bloom, sweet hope, ethereal balm upon me shed, and wave thy silver pinions o'er my head. Whenever I wander at the fall of night, where woven boughs shut out the moon's bright ray, should sad despondency my musings fright and frown to drive fair cheerfulness away. Peep with the moonbeams through the leafy roof and keep that fiend despondence far aloof. Should disappointment, parent of despair, strive for her son to seize my careless heart when, like a cloud, he sits upon the air, preparing on his spellbound prey to dart. Chase him away, sweet hope, with visage bright, and fright him as the morning frightens night. Whenever the fate of those I hold most dear tells to my fearful breast a tale of sorrow, O oh, oh bright-eyed hope, my morbid fancy cheer, let me a while thy sweetest comforts borrow. Thy heaven-born radiance around me shed and wave thy silver pinions o'er my head. Should ever unhappy love my bosom pain from cruel parents or relentless fair, oh, let me think it is not quite in vain to sigh out sonnets to the midnight air. Sweet hope, ethereal balm upon me shed and wave thy silver pinions over my head. In the long vista of the years to roll, let me not see our country's honor fade. Oh, let me see our land retain her soul, her pride, her freedom, and not freedom's shade. From thy bright eyes, unusual brightness shed, beneath thy pinions canopy my head. Let me not see the patriot's high bequest, great liberty, how great in plain attire, with the base purple of a court oppressed, bowing her head and ready to expire. But let me see thee stoop from heaven on wings that fill the skies with silver glitterings. And as in sparkling majesty a star gilds the bright summit of some gloomy cloud, brightening the half-failed face of heaven afar, so in dark thoughts my boding spirit shroud, sweet hope, celestial influence round me shed, waving thy silver pinions over my head. And that's John Keats. So, in closing, let's, let's set our intentions. Let's be superb, but within our lane. Just those things where we can be superb. And let's give more than we get. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and new, a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. 
Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Dear God, please, if it be your will, allow all of the listeners of this podcast and everyone who's seeking your guidance, but allow me to set my intentions and to act with intentions and intentionally for good and in your will. Let me be superb as I do the things that you have asked me to do. Let me, let me explore, express and explore my talents that you have given me in a manner that is superb, but in keeping with your guidance. And above all, let me allow me Grant me the ability to give more than I get. Amen.